Welcome everybody to today's edition of the Independent Teacher Podcast. What we're going to be doing in our episode is talking to Joyce Matthews about the most effective forms of continuing professional development for teachers. So welcome, Joyce. It's uh, been a while since we've got together. Is it 30 years? Something I think like it's that. 34. Can we start just by you telling our listeners, uh, not the bit about the fact that we've only known each other for 34 years, but can you tell our listeners um, about your career and particularly the work that you've been doing in terms of delivering CPD for teachers? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll start at the very beginning, which was when we first met each other 34 years ago in what was Humberside, which I don't even think exists as Humberside anymore. And I was a PE teacher, so PE teacher to trade. Um, and worked in Humberside for a couple of years and then went to Norfolk and taught there for 12 and a half years. And when I finished in Norfolk, I was moving up to Newcastle. My husband had transferred and I knew that I had finished classroom teaching. I just felt I'd done everything I wanted to do. And so I was looking for a job that was out with the classroom. What was the next step? What's the next way I can use my teaching skills? And I moved to Newcastle as advisory teacher for PE. So I was working across all primaries and secondaries um, and as my son described it, teaching teachers to be better teachers of PE. So I was really training and I loved it. And after a wee while, I realised it wasn't actually working because people kept coming back to my courses, especially dance and gymnastics, and just wanting more of me giving them resources and telling them exactly what to do. So I think the final nail in the coffin was when a lady came back on about her third or fourth dance course and said, oh, I love that Kylie Minogue CD you gave me four years ago. And I thought, no, that's not what should be happening. You shouldn't be using the same resources. You should be developing your own. And the same was happening with demonstration lessons. They were wanting me to go into school and take out all the gymnastics equipment and show them all my tricks. But it was never going to turn them into better gym teachers. I was also lecturing in a, a course at Northumbria University. It just wasn't working. So there had to be something else. And just at that time, I was looking around. Um, my friend who worked for the National College of School Leadership said to me, oh, I think you'd be a great facilitator. Come and interview and uh, get trained. And I did. And it absolutely changed my life. So that was in 2010. In 2011, I left my job, set up my own business, and I've been working in facilitation and now training facilitator for training facilitators for over 10 years. And and you run something called the, the School Leader Facilitator Programme. Yes. And, and that's endorsed by Education Scotland. Is that right? That's right. So I started off with the National College training facilitators for a middle leadership development programme. And that was great and it worked for a few years and then as we all know the National College of School Leadership became the National College of Teaching Leadership and then it disappeared it sold all its franchises so I then went back to facilitating leadership programs and I realized again that wasn't working because it was unsustainable I was standing on a platform in China telling people how to be leaders and flying backwards and forwards and it was never going to work so I realized I had to go back to training facilitators in situ. So that's when I worked on developing my own programme. And I developed this programme, which I trialled actually with Education Scotland in 2017 and trained all their facilitators and realised that actually this is the one way to do it. So rather than selling a service, my services as a facilitator, I honed it right down to this one programme, which I refined and refined and refined and 
got endorsed by Education Scotland, which is essentially the executive arm of the Scottish Government. Okay, so I'm sure there'll be some of our listeners who still probably don't fully understand what this facilitator model actually is, because they may not have come across it. Absolutely. Um, Now, you describe it, don't you, as a self-sustaining model of CPD that reduces the need for external presenters. Yes. So could you just go through step by step, probably quite slowly, what is this facilitation program? What does it look like? Okay, so the School Leader Facilitator program is a three-day program where I will teach you, or you will learn, not not I will teach you, you will learn. (laughs) You will learn about how adults learn best, adult learning preferences. So you'll learn about the theory, which is what a lot of teachers like. We like the information transfer, the knowledge Mm -hmm. transfer. So you learn that first. So it'll be nice and comfortable before I take you out of your comfort zone and you realise that actually, much as you know lots and lots about pedagogy, you probably don't know very much about andragogy. So we look at andragogy and we look at the skills of andragogy and how to help adults learn in a much more effective way. So I'll teach you, no, I won't, you will learn. Oh my goodness, that's a teacher coming out in me. (laughs) You will learn how to design andragogy So how to design really effective professional development for teachers. And then the way to lead that professional development for teachers is through a process called facilitation. So that's essentially the three days. The first day is about learning about andragogy, the skills of designing our day two, and then putting it into practice and making it more complex practice is day three. So that's a three-day programme. And the model of how it works is I'll come in and work with a small core team. Um, I take 12 people in my programme. So 12 people who will then go back to their context, their schools, their settings, and then use it as much as you can. So that then makes professional development either in your school or your cluster or your system self-sustaining because I don't need to come in to do it. You've got people who can design it and lead it themselves. That then generates more interest. So we get more people coming back in the programme and eventually I get made redundant. We'll just go back to those two um, concepts, pedagogy and andragogy, because there'll be some people who will say they get the pedagogy, which is the the teaching of students, pupils, children. What is andragogy then? So pedagogy, if you look at the direct translation, peda means child. Gogy comes from agogos, which actually means to lead. So pedagogy means to lead a child. Andra is man, mankind. Mm-hmm. So andragogy is leading adults. Now, there is a third one. So if you want to confuse people altogether, there's hutagogy, which is self-learning. It's when the learner becomes their own teacher. So this is a spectrum with pedagogy at one end mm-hmm. and hutagogy at the other end, and andragogy kind of sits in the middle. And the reason I like working with teachers is you get pedagogy. So to get to andragogy, it's really a slide along the spectrum. You have the skills already and you probably use the skills of facilitation in your class already. Mm -hmm. It's just moving it to a different context and understanding how adults learn in a different way to children. And why why is it more effective than the more traditional types of professional development where people come in and they lecture and they transfer their knowledge. And you would argue that isn't 
the best way to develop school leadership? Yeah, to develop any adults, because let's face it, which adult likes to be treated like a child? I don't. It, mm-hmm. You know, traditional um, lecturing can be patronising, but more importantly than that, it's disempowering. As soon as you talk to someone, you deprive them of thought. So facilitation of andragogy is all about eliciting rather than telling. So I want to get adults thinking as much as they're capable of thinking rather than me telling them what I know and what I would do because that's never going to solve any problems. So it's all about um, eliciting and developing the skills and the competencies of adults, treating them as adults rather than presuming that they're empty vessels to fill. Um, It's a wee bit like the film Matilda. You know, traditional um, teacher professional development is kind of like, I'm big, you're small, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, I know everything, you know nothing. Mm. Whereas andragogy is the opposite. It's let's treat each other as equals. I'm going to be the guide from the side rather than the sage in the stage. And actually, I believe you know all the answers to your own questions and your own problems. And I'm going to help you to discover those answers yourselves. Mm. I mean, in my in my my role um, before I, I stopped teaching, one of my approaches for the professional development is that we had more like little teach meets where we shared good practice and people were able to ask questions, but it was sharing of good practice because we found that people didn't want to go on courses because they came back saying, well, you know, it's not relevant to our school context. And like you, if we brought external speakers in, which wasn't my choice, but that was the approach that I was expected to implement. If we brought in external speakers, it was on an inset day in a twilight session. And you could pretty much be sure that most people then went away and forgot all about it because they were in the process of teaching the students and they didn't then have time to reflect on what had been said by the external speaker, however the, however good or interesting they, they were. Does that fit in with what you have found as well in that more traditional? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, there's two things here. There's, there's the bringing in the external speaker. So listening to somebody speak, yeah, it, it, it's not going to, it actually deprives you of thinking because you sit back in your chair, you're either nice and comfy or you're reading the newspaper or you're thinking about your shopping list or what you're cooking for tea. You're not necessarily thinking about what the, person is saying and as you say the design there's no design for learning in that there's it's all about the sage and the stage and what they choose to tell you so they're making an assumption that they know what you want to learn or they know your state of readiness or your context and actually you know me coming into school and say I'm going to teach you how to get all the equipment out well that might not be what you need but I love getting equipment out and I love jumping on wall bars and all the rest of it so there's all sorts of assumptions that that person makes and actually it's all about them because they're they're totally disempowering you they just want you to sit still and you can tell immediately by the way the room's set up if it's theatre style you're not going to do any thinking you're just going to sit and it's front load input and you're going to take it in so yeah there's all sorts of things with that um also the, the teach meets so I love the fact that teachers are starting to take ownership of developing professional development, all the rest of it. However, it comes with a health warning Mm -hmm. because if teachers don't understand about andragogy and the best way to help adults learn, actually all your sharing of best practice 
can be just as disempowering as one person standing on a stage. So I have been in teach meets um, where teachers come in and they say, I've done this, I've done that, all this, and, and people go, oh, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then you see them, and then by the time you get to lunchtime, they've suddenly gone, well, I'm not doing that. Oh, my God, I couldn't do that. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, oh I'm not as good as her. I'm, I'm not anywhere near that. Mm -hmm. So actually, sometimes sharing good practice can be just as disempowering because it's a, a smaller scale of the sage and the stage. So a wee bit, I have seen over lockdown, lots of teachers offering free CPD, and I'm going to be controversial here, it's the blind leading the blind. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you don't know, and if you don't know about andragogy and how to design adult learning, you can be damaging and disempowering teachers. Okay, so what skills would uh, teachers acquire were they to follow the andragogy facilitation model? Can you give just, just a quick rundown of some of the yeah. skills? So the first skill before you can start to lead or facilitate andragogy is the skill of designing it. And a lot of teachers just say, oh, I want to talk about this and they'll stand up and talk about it. So the design is lacking. Uh, our brains work in certain ways that, you know, I can throw in all the neurological stuff, but adults' brains work in certain, certain ways. And there is um, a a design plan for designing effective adult learning. So you learn how to design effectively, not just for knowledge transfer, because that's where the sage and the stage model falls down. I'm going to tell you, you're going to do it. I haven't taught you the skills, but you're still going to do it. Well, that's never going to happen. It's like me trying to teach gymnastics from a book. It is never going to happen. So you, lead, you learn how to design so that people can go away with not just the knowledge, but also learn and practice the skills and apply them to their context. So you'll learn that design, but you will also learn the skills of facilitation, which are a little bit different from teaching because they are rely much, much more on questioning and inquiry skills than talking and lecturing. Mm -hmm. So that's quite difficult for teachers because we're used to talking. Listen to me now, I'm loving this because I don't <laughs> often get to talk. And quite often I tell myself off when I've talked for five minutes saying, oh, that's far too much. These people can figure this out for themselves. They're adults. Shut up, Joyce. OK, now carry on, carry on. I'm going <laughs> to ask you something else now, which um, I had a, an episode uh, with Tom Rogers and we talked about toxic schools and how sometimes school leaders, whether they're middle leaders, senior leaders, can create toxicity. And um, I just wondered, does the facilitation model reduce the problem of toxicity in schools? Um, I believe it does. Obviously, I'm a firm advocate. And I think one of the uh, pieces of feedback that I had recently from, I think it was a head teacher at Ardrossan Academy, she'd been using the facilitation team in North Ayrshire that I trained and she'd actually picked up a little bit of herself and was trying it out with her staff. And she actually came back and said, this is all about wellness, isn't it? This is all about wellness. This tool is about wellness because I'm giving my teachers a voice. They feel trusted. They're able to share, they're able to collaborate. It's, it's engendering a real um, atmosphere of cooperation and actually everybody in my school feels better for it you can see the confidence go up they're talking to each other in corridors um, so it it can diminish toxicity um, 
And I, I, I firmly believe that it works because I've seen people get promoted. I've seen them become more confident. I've seen them become more competent in their skills and realize that they're able to do things. So yeah, I'm an advocate. Obviously I'm going to say that, but I really do feel, and it's changed. It has absolutely changed my life. So that's the next question, really. If teachers or schools want to work with you, what uh, and I think you've touched on some of this, but what would be the benefits for the school, or maybe what would be the benefits for the individual? You talked there about maybe promotion. Yeah, um, so I can track through. That's one of the measurements I keep. So I don't do these uh, quick evaluations. Was that good? Did you enjoy the coffee? Was the lunch nice? I wait six months to see how the behaviours have changed because I'm really measuring change in behaviour. And I track how many people get promoted or move into different roles or take on new projects. And it's 60, 70%. So for me, the individuals, it does change their behaviour. And just even from a, a, a postural stance, I joke that I'm going to start measuring people when they come into my programme and when they leave after three days because I would swear that they grow two inches just by straightening up shoulders back spine erect because they realise how good they are and actually it's you know a lot of people say talking to teachers is a fate worse than death when you realise how to do it and you learn how to do it oh my goodness your confidence just rises and your competence rises so personally I see a huge growth in confidence and well-being and empowerment that's another big agenda in teaching at the moment isn't it so mm -hmm. let's give these teachers a power back how will it benefit the school financially you don't need to keep bringing in external consultants and paying that money out and surely to god you want to spend more money on your pupils and your staff than you do in fly by night snake oil salesman um, so financially it's going to save you money but also you're going to be able to cater more for your staff because your problems are if you have them are contextual you know you might think that Joyce can come in and show me gymnastics but I don't know your year nines I don't know your first years I don't know your primary threes um, you do you know your children and you know your staff so when people are designing for their own context it is far more relevant and powerful mm. what have you done with North Ayrshire the one that I won the award for I'll just yeah. that in there. Uh, North Ayrshire yeah, North there's, Ayrshire. There's, yeah. There's, they've saved quite a lot of money haven't they 86,000 pounds in just over a year through training their own facilitators and devising and running their own programs and they're now so good at it that they're running programs across the region so they're not only in North Ayrshire running programs they're across the whole of the southwest of Scotland running programs for other other authorities as well that's what they're doing, but there's a mass market out there in terms of organisations that give you a badge that mm -hmm. say that you're now a middle leader or a qualified senior leader. Um, so organisations now really delivering leadership training, making a lot of money, I su would suggest, from it. Um, don't you threaten those organisations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm always fighting with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because my aim is to make myself redundant. And it, it's I find it sad. But at points, I have to say, look, I need to go. When I was working with the Education Scotland team, I trained their facilitators and then I worked with them to show them what a lead facilitator on a project would do. So I worked with them for about a year on and off. And at the end of that year, I said, look, I have 
to go now. And they said, no, 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 stay. Well, you know, we've got thousands more to do. And I said, no, I have to go because if I don't go, it hasn't worked. So I have to prove to myself it's worked. So I have to go. And it was desperately sad because I left facilitators and colleagues that I'd worked with for a year. I, I thought they'd become my friends and I missed them. But at some point I have to prove that this is sustainable. So you're absolutely right. A lot of training companies come in to make money. But it's not about making the money for me. It's about actually doing a project that I enjoy and that empowers people and they can build their own model. And then I move on to the next project. So, yeah, I would love to go back to Brunei and see all the facilitators I worked with there. But that project is done. They are self-sufficient now. They don't need me anymore. And that is a huge threat to people that are just out to make money. So my advice to any school would be before you bring anybody in, Ask them how they are going to make this sustainable, because if the money runs out, what are you going to do? You can't always buy an external expertise. So how are they going to make what they offer you sustainable? What about this desire to have like the badge of leadership? Yeah. I mean, where does where does that fit in? You think? Oh, you think? That's a really good question. And I. I don't offer a certificate for my programme and then I kind of relinquished and I have a book that goes with the programme. There's a bit of a certificate in the front of it. Um, and I wonder if it's something deep seated because I always thought I don't do courses because I don't need a certificate. And then we, I got this award recently and I thought, oh, I love this. I've just got a certificate. <laughs> so I wonder if it's something within us that we need this external validation and again because my program is based on Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence quadrants it is that aspect of looking to yourself and self-awareness what is the reason I'm doing this is the reason I'm doing this because I'm going to get a certificate you know lots of teachers now go on and do masters and doctorates for what reason because I feel as if I've done, done a doctorate over the last 10 years with my experimentation and my exploration and finding out what works and what doesn't work, I'm not getting a certificate, but I don't feel any the worse for it. Um, so yeah, I, I, um, that would be my question or my invitation to lots of people out there. For what reason are you doing the course? Is it the certificate? Is it because you think the organization is credible? Is it because you think it's going to get you promotion? Um, is that stimulus external validation or actually are you doing it for your own building your confidence and your skills do you want to learn something to be able to do something new do you think that the facilitation model is more acceptable in schools abroad you mentioned Brunei working in Brunei I mean you've worked with quite uh, a number of um, teachers in different countries over the years haven't you yes um I think different countries different teachers are at different states of readiness facilitation in Canada is very big it all kind of came out of there China they desperately want to learn so they want to learn about facilitation but they also still want the gurus they want those famous um educationalists to come in so they kind of want a mixture of both um Brunei they were keen to learn the process desperately keen to learn the process and take it and run with it in their own style. And they've done that. They've absolutely done that. Um, yeah, so, so different countries, different states of readiness. And it also depends on the system, how ready the system is and how willing the system is to adapt and change. What about in the English system? 
So I obviously did all my teaching career in England, even though I graduated in Scotland, I'm now back in Scotland. The English system, um, when the National College of School Leadership was there with all its think pieces and its all its facilitated programmes, underpinned by the principles of andragogy, the English system was flying and was totally there and in a really good place. And this might sound controversial, but as soon as they sold off the licences to people who weren't perhaps um, skilled in adult learning or facilitation, the programme started to get watered down. Um, and I see a change. I, I saw a change. I think it's starting to come back now, though. I saw a change much more to training. And we're going to tell you how it is. And we've got this great programme. We'll sell you. And it's so many sessions, all the rest of it. So I saw it change back to training. I think it's changing again back to facilitation. So I've seen some things coming out of the Teacher Development Trust and other big providers. And I think they're starting to realise, actually, we need to work more with adults and cater for adults rather than teaching them like children. We're coming to the end of our of our chat, Joyce. So here's the question. Mm -hmm. In the next five to ten years, do you think school leader facilitation will be the go-to model or are too many schools in the UK content with the status quo? So too many schools and too many systems which comprise of individuals are too content with the status quo because it keeps them in their position and in their status. So I don't think it'll become the go-to model because there's too many people that want to hold on to their position of power. Um, and that's the whole point about facilitation. It's expert-less. So I don't have to be an expert in content and knowledge. I'm an expert in processes. And there's too many people out there in the education world that want to be experts and to be seen as experts. They're never going to allow this to become the prevalent model. Um, so I think there is a trend that it will become more prevalent. But I don't think the system and the people in it will be happy with losing their status. There's a lot of people out there with a lot of egos invested in, in their position. And that's why we get toxic leadership, because it's all about them rather than the people that they lead. Um, so I would love to say, Sue, that in five to 10 years, the whole thing will change. But that's not my experience. My experience is that people are so threatened by it that they'll cling on by any means to their little, their little kingdom and their position of power. Right. Okay. But on a positive note, not ending on a negative <laughs> no, note, <laughs> on a positive note, if our listeners are interested in um, working with you and finding out more, what, what should they do next? So they can contact me either through social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, they can email me. So yeah, there's lots of people out there and I work in different ways and whether it's a three-day programme or coaching or mentoring, whatever. There's, there's things we can do together. So that, that'll be exciting. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I've really enjoyed it and it's great to reconnect with you again. Thank you ever so much. Thanks, Joyce. You have been listening to the Independent Teacher Podcast with your host, Susan Pallister, and my special guest on today's show, Joyce Matthews.